السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Good evening خوينانت مولويني and a hearty welcome to the Shahida Kali show Well of course we continue with our program in which we're focusing on extraordinary people and tonight the extraordinary person is in the studio and her name is Yolanda Dusterhoff I hope I pronounced that correctly and so Yolanda good evening and welcome to the program Hello and thank you very much. It's so lovely to have you. Very often we have um, phone, uh, you know, telephone link ups mm. and so on. And it's just not the same. So it's no. great to have you sitting here opposite me and actually seeing, oh my word, a survivor, a cancer survivor. So, so for our listeners, Yolanda is here to tell her story and the reason for these programs are to inspire us and to really, you know, give us the opportunity to meet these extraordinary people who have changed their lives around, albeit that they have had a diagnosis, which could have been very, very frightening at some time mm. and really changed their life to what it is today. So I'm very excited to hear your story and perhaps. Yolanda, to start off, um, to give our listeners a little bit of a background of where you're at, you know, married, not married, children, you know, just that type of personal information. And then to tell us what led up to having to have an assessment or so um, that would eventually give you, you know, the diagnosis of cancer. So, but first, a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Well, I um, have got two children. My daughter is 20 mm-hmm. and my son is um, 12. I work for a fairly big company, fairly rushed based. So having said that, diagnosing and picking up on changes within the self doesn't always happen very mm. quickly. So um, in 2011, beginning 2011, I felt a lump under my arm, mm-hmm. which wasn't protruding, not like the normal goodies that changes you know Mm -hmm. so instinctively knew that there's a problem and not going to my own GP I went to another lady okay took one look and she said she's not touching it so then I knew there's problems okay referred me to a surgeon who again reiterated that he's not going to draw fluid because it is problems Okay. And then decided to why would they yeah, why would they have um responded like that immediately for, because for the very, very often you mm. have a lump, mm. someone you know, um have a look at the lump and would say, Well this needn't be a problem. Mm. How what you well, know, how did your lump present that they would immediately have that response? It wasn't protruding. Okay. And the size of it, they were fearful that if they if they draw fluid with the syringe, mm-hmm. that they will miss the core of it. Okay. And that would render false results because okay. you can be drawing yes. fluid from the outside of the lamp. Right. It you could only feel it if you brushed over the arm with face cloth, like in a washing, mm-hmm. fairly with a little bit of pressure. So, for that reason, they decided on the biopsy. Okay. A uh, biopsy came back and said. It's a go. There's definitely cancer. Mm-hmm. And then the testing starts, and I know other cancer patients can relate to this. You go to the hospital in the morning, you depart there in the afternoon late. Yes, so true. one after the other. And all of those results come back. There is no cancer. They couldn't find the cancer. Okay. They go back to the biopsy. The biopsy says it's there. The blood says it's there. And it's in the breast. Okay. So sonars, mammograms, um, x-rays, 
all kinds of scans and they didn't pick them up. So repeatedly, this was a process that happened continuously, saying there's nothing, there is something, there is nothing, there is something. There, but the blood was adamant. It's definitely there. Okay. When, um, and and would that, that not have been an absolute roller coaster ride? Got no idea. That the doctor that told me that it is cancerous, I, I, I'm amazed by his presentation because he sat there and gave me about eight different options of what kind of cancers it can be, mm-hmm. and then his face lit up like a child getting a Christmas gift, saying, "Oh, it's not this one." And I was, I was confused. This man is happy. But he's left me with seven, seven other, seven other possibilities. Other, yes, so it was quite bizarre. I was quite emotionless at this stage. I was okay. angry at him for being so emotionless. All right. At the time, mm-hmm. today I can say thank God that he was motionless because mm-hmm. had he shown emotion, I probably would not have been able to carry myself the way that I did. Okay. So the right doctor for the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, they did eventually find it where it was, and it wasn't a the the normal lumpy one. It's they described it like a weed, a creeper weed okay. that that just moves around. You can't feel it per se, like what you generally would with lumps and stuff. Yeah. So um, yes, they found that, and then I got and the and would that immediately have been an indication that? And I'm not sure whether you have actually had a mastectomy did you have mm. to have mm. because and, and was that because it it was presenting like that i mean a lump you can cut out mm. but if it is presenting the way yours had one would imagine you'd want to have to remove the tish everything yes. that would have hold that mm. what it's important to remember that every cancer case is different yeah so when they found mine eventually what made it more challenging was the dense tissue Mm-hmm. That made it very difficult to find. So having said that, it would be extremely difficult to remove a portion. And uh, subsequently, when they did find it, it wasn't just a portion. It was fairly large. It was just about everything on the one side, on the right side. When discussing my treatment, they made it very clear. My age counts for me, so I'll have the best of everything. So. Mm-hmm. They discussed the plan starting that there would be chemo, there will be radiation, there will be surgery, and um, then they'll assess it from there once everything is done. Yeah. And from the get-go, a doctor did recommend a double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. However, when you get to a stage when your treatments are going on, you think like, okay, we're winning, so it shouldn't be necessary anymore. But there's certain factors that contribute to what the doctor said to you right from the beginning. Yes. And he said this because he knows this path. He's yeah. been down the road, so he knows the possibilities. So rather set you up that you know what you are, are likely in for yes. than to be disappointed when you get to a stage and they say, look, it's time to do so again. Yeah. It's very interesting. You're saying the same exact same thing that I, I spoke with you, that I have a cancer patient that I'm seeing and her husband. Mm. I asked how was he coping with the diagnosis again, mm. the further diagnosis that they'd uh, received. Mm. And he said because he had taken cognizant of the very first conversation, 
He was yes. then prepared to accept and work with how it is now unfolding. Yes. So it's very similar to what you're saying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so what was the decision then? Did you did you decide to have the double max mastectomy? It was recommended. Okay. Uh, he did testing to see what the cause of the cancer was. And there's definitely a genetic factor with me. Um, there's also, um, what do they call this? Um, estrogen. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, big focus was to remove all possible estrogen from the body. So, the medication that I'm on at the moment also tries to cut back any production, if any, of the estrogen. Of, of the estrogen, yes. Okay. So, long and the shortest double mastectomy was planned from the get go. I was hopeful. Yeah. It didn't work like that though. Yeah. So, yes. And I'd, I'd like to, and, and thank you for this part of the discussion already, Yolanda. I'd like to speak about the heart matters, the psychological matters, the um, even the social matters, your children, um, your husband, and how that it, all of this would have impacted on the entire family because mm. cancer is certainly not just the individual's um, challenge or dilemma, mm. but it's the family who lives with the cancer. But less, I know that we need to take commercial news when we come back we will continue with our discussion from Cape Town this is the voice of the Cape the voice of the Cape the voice of the Cape the voice of the Welcome back, and if you have just tuned in, I am Shahida Kali, and I'm speaking with Yolanda Dusterhoft, and she is a cancer survivor who has had a double mastectomy, um, who's walked quite a long road, and we're going to speak more about that. I know that, uh, Yolanda, you've been diagnosed in 2011, and but we sp- you spoke a little bit about when you were diagnosed and the difficulty around that and then eventually the hopefulness and then the decision to actually have the double mastectomy. But I'd like to go back and just ask you, when, you know, what does it first feel like when the news really gets given to you and eventually sinks in? You know, what does it feel like? It must be very scary. It wasn't. And tell me why. Tell me why. When I was given the news, it was shock. Yeah. Anger at this man being so emotionless Mm -hmm. and then being happy about it not being the one. Yes. And uh, I was then told that don't worry, you'll be angry. You'll find your moments. There'll be vindictiveness. There'll be hatred. And I was waiting for these. Mm -hmm. So I was waiting for them so patiently that I didn't have them. Okay. So some would term that shock rather. Mm-hmm. The one thing I did have is that I didn't want to share this news with anybody. My father passed away from cancer and my mom was still fairly raw dealing with that. So how do you go now and say, Mom, I've got it now too. Of you know. So I tried the journey on my own. Um, it doesn't work. That must have been hard. Yeah. It was easier for me like that. Because okay. then it was my baby. Okay. But 
during this whole exercise, you do get to stages where physically, um, mentally, emotionally, you just can't. Yeah. You do need something and someone to hold on to. Of course. So I was uh, very blessed in that. I had somebody that took care of me very nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, put my priorities first. My children, my daughter's in Australia, so she was down here when I was diagnosed and was quite upset about the um, the side effects because she wanted to know. Mm-hmm. We've just found out the day before, and I'm talking about there'll be diarrhea, yeah. there'll be constipation, or you can have the bo- the the two at the same time and she'd say oh mother just stop making jokes it's a serious matter and I said but right. that's truth yeah <laughs> that's yeah. what the doctor says mm-hmm. and there'll be hair loss and then she says oh no can I cut my hair to join me and I say no 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 just let's think about all the money that I'll be shaving on shaving and shampoos and she found that amusing at that stage and that sort of lightened the load for her okay my son again um, we had to keep him out of school for a long time Lots of times, often, especially when my immune was low. And I often felt guilty about that. I'm sure. Until I, I said to the pastor, it's, I've taken so much away from him. And he said to me, Miss, remember that nothing happens without purpose mm-hmm. and plan. So whilst he might not have been partying it up with boys, he learned other life lessons like sacrifice. Of course. Like taking care, like looking after and... Because he's also seen that, mm-hmm. um, that's a life lesson that, you know, some 30-year-olds don't have, and he was blessed to have it at 10, 11, and 12. So. Sure. So, yeah, it was um, emotionally, you cannot predict where you go to from one day to the next. You'll be in a very good space, and then all doctors are very anxious. You see this, and that makes you nervous, but you don't understand why, because you're not feeling what they are feeling. And then you get to stasis where you, you're so low and you wonder how you're going to get out of it. And then you see a six-year-old girl walking past you with her head held so high and you think, like, who am I? Yeah. You know? And I really want to speak with you about the six-year-old who had, you know, kind of whom you had met. Mm. So, so tell me about her. So she would have been a little girl with cancer as well. Mm. That's right. Tell me about her. During radiation, we had a, a woman's day to where they pamper us, just the girls. And they do makeup and they show you how to fold the scarves for those with no hair. Uh, there was two ladies there specifically who who didn't have any support from their homes. Mm-hmm. So um, let me just think. Yeah, they did, their children, as a matter of fact, didn't want her, them to walk around the house without their scarves on. They didn't want to see their moms exposed. Where I had the support, so I thought, okay, I'm doing good. And a couple of days later, I hit a, a very low, because they isolate you in the room when they do radiation. And in walks this little girl, and I knew she's there for treatment. You're not allowed to know which because uh, it's patient confidentiality. Yes. But when she walked in, they put something on her head, so I knew they are aiming the head because they mark you on your skin where they need to radiate. Yeah. And uh, she had this little flower on the front and a little thingy on the side. And she walked with her chin held so high. And then straight from there, 
they would whisk her off when she'd bear back to school. Sure. I looked at this child and I thought, she is such a strong source. Yeah. She's, she's got no qualms. She's got no complaints. She looks for the flower on her head, takes her meds, and back to where she should be. That to me was just... It's just amazing how, as a woman, you can be strong, but as a girl, you have so much more power because you don't realize it yet. Yeah. As an adult, you forget what you've got. Yeah. And you don't harvest so. And and I th- yes, and I think there, there's such a lot of uh, truth in what you're describing, and I think it's so important for us to speak mm. more about the the power from you know within, mm. and you know speaking about. Embracing the self, accepting of the self is really a conversation I think I'd like to have with you. But now it's time for us to go into the period in which we will have the prayer time broadcast and we will get back to our conversation after that. Thanks. And I'm speaking with Yolanda Dusterhoft. She is a cancer survivor and here to tell her story. This is a part of the program, Extraordinary People. I just would want to comment on an SMS that we had received. And the person is saying, our hearts go out to these beautiful people. May God be with them always. And acknowledges that we all have to go through different emotions at different times and we have to work through that so just to say thank you very much for the person who sent the sms and the thank you comes from yolanda as well (laughs) and so i'd like to chat with you yolanda now about when you go through these difficulties what role does acceptance play to enable you to work better almost with your diagnosis that's a challenging question. <laughs> I don't think that one can at any point in time say it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, what I got is okay. It leaves you with more whys than okay. But when you look at what's happening around you and you start seeing graces, it makes it okay. Okay. That I think that's the difference. Um, and, and what would be a moment in which you saw grace for you 
From diagnosis, which was the beginning of the year, my first thought was my daughter coming back to South Africa, Christmas time, which is far, far, far away yeah. in terms of cancer. Mm. And how am I going to get there? Am I going to get there? So a great help was that, that I was given was to set short-term goals, to make a goal for the end of this week. And then once you've got that, because it gives you that raw, raw feeling of accomplishment, mm -hmm. you can do the next week and okay. then the next week. And that's pretty much how I tackled chemo sessions as well. It wasn't just the first one. It was a matter of, oh, now there's only 39 left. Right. You know, looking at from the other side of the scale mm -hmm. rather than, um, I think that's what, what helped me a lot in terms of, of getting there. Accepting, I think, is a difficult one, though. I think that takes a long time for you to go. You've gone through the motions. You've gone and done, gotten a T-shirt. It still leaves thoughts lingering, you know, way too from here. Mm -hmm. How are you being perceived from here? Mm -hmm. And those are all factors that challenge us acceptance i think at the end of the day of course and i th you know let's speak a little bit about your what you've you've mentioned how will i be perceived from here mm. what was the concern that that held who needed to perceive you in which way what were your needs well as a mom mm -hmm. would i be able to be the mom that i was as a person would i be able to do the sports i did um, as an employee, would I be able to manage my work? Um, as a friend, would I still be where where I was, type scenario? So in, in pretty much all aspects of life, I think. And um, some of them you conquer, you get acceptance from your friends, and that helps you with the acceptance. Mm -hmm. In others, there's uncertain areas, gray areas, if you will. Um, my employer was very kind-hearted to me they were very amiable they helped me wherever they could so I was I had a luxury there I know others that didn't have those luxuries so yeah. always a challenge the different areas definitely has got different aspects and for you to get through that aspect specifically is to find that one golden key and in one instance it can be a friend's hug and um, in another it can be a six-year-old girl with a chin up eye yeah and another, it can be a, a validation from a fellow colleague at the office. Mm -hmm. So being attentive, being in the now, being alert to what is coming your way and what is given to you will allow you to see what there is. And I, I think you, you know, really you took the question out of my mouth um, in terms of um, or, or really just the fact that you describe now what it has given you was to be in the moment mm. to be so attentive mm. to be able to acknowledge and appreciate mm. have and and has that impacted in a way that it almost continues now that you're better and you've achieved and you've done certain and you've grown mm. does that continue it does but it also has an impact on my low days because okay. on good on low days, it's now where's that strength? I have to go and dig even deeper than ever before to mm -hmm. go and find just an ounce of that strength that was lavished previously. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
it, it, it creates a, a challenge that you, you're not sure always if you hit a low, you get angry because how do you go this low after everything that you've gone through and survived and managed and um, always with positivity and now you're here. Okay, so, uh, and, I, and I think what you're describing very much is the fact that I, I, I almost hear you describing the highs can be quite high, the lows can be quite low, and that it's very, very difficult to kind of bring the two together at times. to marry them. Right, mm. to marry the two. I want to know in your process, and, and I'm just wondering whether we need to take commercial news. Okay, we're still good. Um, when your I'd like for us to share a little time describing your personal philosophy that had uh, kind of grown from this very acceptance of self, the self that is, and do you regard the self as different now? Mm. Um, and, and just to speak a little bit, tell us about that. Self has definitely changed. Mm -hmm. Self has gone through things that... Um, you cannot fathom at any given point in your life. You learn lessons that you wouldn't have had in, in other moments. When you are receiving chemo, you basically sitting on your own, you're getting your medicine pumped through you, but with you, there's other people sitting. And because you get your chemo at the same time, the same, t the same type of people, the same group of people, you start talking and you hear about their challenges and then that makes your challenge look a little bit different. It puts it in a different perspective. It minimizes the scales of your impact, you know. And then you you walk away feeling almost a sense of mine's not that big. Mine's really not that big. And then when you have that moment of downness, you can go back to that mind is really not that big, thinking mm -hmm. back of moments like that. So self has definitely changed if i tell you today that often people will walk around with the saying of oh be thankful for today because you never know what tomorrow brings mm -hmm. you will never understand the impact of those words until you've sat across somebody received a diagnosis gone through chemo or one session even or go in for one operation and come out of that operation it makes a difference when people, when you say, let's be thankful for the day or be grateful for the plate of food that you've got. It makes a difference if you can't eat because of medication. Yes. And then all of a sudden, uh, they put a, a slice of bread with butter in front of you and it's a feast. Yeah. It is royal food, mm -hmm. you know. So meaning changes. Life changes when... When you now get to a stage where you can say thank you to your creator and yearn with gratitude and, and with thankfulness, it feels so different. It, it, it's, it's, it's a feeling that is, you, you cannot describe it to somebody unless they've experienced it. Yeah. I'm, you know, if you look at people that's those passionate go-getters, those mm -hmm. like energizer bunnies that never, 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 ever stop that constant high, if I can put it that. Yeah. That's how your feelings of appreciation and gratitude multiplies, the magnitude that it grows with. 
Self has definitely changed. I've always postponed and procrastinated like everybody else. You know, I'm, I would like to do this. I'd yes. like to learn that. I'd like to grow this. And mm -hmm. inevitably we postpone. So cancer has changed that for me that I've actually gone and done things. I've learned to play the guitar. I'm not, uh, I don't know what wow. that guitarist is called. <laughs> I don't know what he's called. I can't, I've forgotten his name now with the Mexican. Okay. But I'm not him. But I do have a lot of fun with my guitar. Okay. I've, I've started to study, which is something that I've always wanted to do, but never could find the course to do. Mm -hmm. I have uh, accomplished things that I would never have done. I've done Toastmasters. Again, something that everything at the right time, at the right place, but the the, the sense of an accomplishment that I feel now, yes. I don't think would have been the same had I done these things way back then. I regret not starting guitar earlier mm -hmm. or not starting studying <laughs> earlier because then I'd be done by now. <laughs> but if you, uh, the accomplishment that I feel now is, yeah. is a wow factor. At my age, <laughs> I can pluck a string or two. <laughs> no, you shouldn't say at my age. My best friend forbids me to say, you do well, not say at my at, at our age, well, at, at my age. age. No, that's a no-no. Somebody said to me, I'm racing towards retirement. I said, you say what? I'm going where? I refuse to go there. I still have things that I would like to do. Yes. I bought a violin. I don't know why. They always make me cry. But I want to play this. Yeah. I'm going to play this as mm -hmm. soon as my studies are done. Mm -hmm. Not now. One thing at a time on my plate. But to Nike's got the saying, just do it. Yeah. But you don't and, understand. And, and so, so it sounds like, you know, when you're describing the things that you've done and so on, but also I think the, the, the very um, deeper value system one would, could all, uh, would it be, would it be right to say you're richer for cancer? You're richer Absolutely. in who you are because of the journey that you've walked? Absolutely. When, during my diagnosis, I went off work. And I was okay with that. And then they said to me, I cannot do Toastmasters no more mm -hmm. because it was part of work. And that's my mojo. That's my Klingon. Okay. This, the platform that I could use to go and just talk about things. Yeah. So it was like a, a an outlet almost. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have that anymore. Yeah. I was angry at the time, but sitting back, I can say it was the right thing. I I had to be quiet and process thoughts, process happenings, process changes, a lot of processing to do. And I'd have, if I had been busy with something else, with anything else for that matter, I wouldn't have had the time to work through those things. Yeah. So growth, um, definitely richer, definitely richer. It's, yes. And I, I think, you know, you mentioned the time um, whilst receiving chemotherapy, how often that time is used for reflection and so on. Because, mm. uh, you know, I hear that from other people as well. Mm. I know that you, um, you know, when you look at yourself um, as a woman, as a role model for us, as a cancer survivor, I'm wondering, you know, what messages you're holding within yourself to want to share with our listeners and particularly women who are these nurturers that we are. 
<laughs> or strive to be. <laughs> this is the fourth time that somebody says to me, you're a role model, and I have difficulties um, wrapping my mind around it because in my world, I'm, I'm somebody that's trying to cope with, with everything. So I don't um, always necessarily see what other people are seeing. So that, mm -hmm. again, is a point of reflection for me. I did a um, hosting at an event on Monday, I think, and these ladies were talking and they they talk, telling their stories and I said to them, you know, harvest what is around you. You as a woman you might not have the physical strength to pick up a brick, but you've got the strength, the inner strength and the stamina of 50,000 men packed together and you still outnumber them two to one mm -hmm. as a single woman. Mm -hmm. my, my message to them was that you are it. You are it. You are. If there is something out there, it's inside of you. It mm -hmm. is. It's inside of you for you to go and harvest it. Yeah. Take your hand and reach it out to the person in front of you because that is a sister who knows because she shares the same with you. She's also it. Mm -hmm. And because she sees that hand coming, it will be extended to you. Mm -hmm. Harvest that around you. Don't walk this journey alone. It's a, you need to have somebody walking it with you. Yeah. Definitely hold somebody's hand. And, and I, I suppose, like you said earlier on, you walked your road and for reasons had chosen to some extent to walk it quietly almost I'd want to say yeah. perhaps not alone but quietly quietly because of wanting to protect your mom and etc but you're now saying that um, of the biggest gifts we can give to ourselves is to actually walk it um, and have someone walk alongside us that was one of my lessons yeah well I must I mean I must tell you I have this couple um, I'm really hoping that we're going to have them on the air soon you know to tell their story as well and this husband and wife walks this road and they are an amazing couple he's an amazing husband and to see them walking this road mm. and his journey being his own journey and her journey and then there is the shared journey yes. and you know one can just one could just come away from it feeling deeply grateful. I'm deeply grateful that I'm working with them and see the beauty of yes. walking the road with and having someone's hand yes. to walk with you. Yes, that's very important. Definitely one of, it was a lesson for me to accept an extended hand and then to have that hand finally and accepting the, the, the extension thereof was... Um, and that's because that's very different for women who see themselves as the carers and Absolutely. the nurturers. And now you are supposed to take the care that's and the nurturing. And that's very challenging. It doesn't sound like much, but yeah. if you're sitting as somebody as normal, the normally the caretaker, yes, it's very difficult for somebody to say to you, "I'll drive you," or "I'll make you a cup of coffee," mm -hmm. or "I'll get the uh, the food." Um, there's a lot of guilt that goes with that. Right. There's a lot of acceptance that goes into. Just saying thank you for that hand that goes out there. Yeah. In hindsight, I can sit and I can think of the impact that it's had on the other person. Yes. Which must have been traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And um, 
one can only just wonder how the other one walks with it. Sure. Because it's not a single journey. It's a, it's a family thing. It's a family thing. Absolutely. And it's, you know, perhaps to speak about how, what helped you to try to work with your guilt, to try and remedy the guilt? Sure. I think my first step was to accept the hand. I think that was my very first step. I'm possibly still dealing with that. Mm. I'm still sorry that I'm putting people through what I did, yeah. you know. Um, and if I could change it better for them, I would, in all fairness and honesty. Yeah. So I always look at it and think, you know, that hand was extended out of love. Yeah. And I should accept it out of love. Yeah. So that helps me to cope with the guilt in mm -hmm. a way. Um, it makes it better. Mm -hmm. But I think there's still a, a, a portion that clings on. So oh, absolutely. I see this. Possibly my new, my yes. my new um, or the next road of my journey is to, to put that to bed. Yeah. But as an evolving creature, I think there's always growth and there's always learning and there's always changes so which is a good thing yeah so um definitely still working on it uh worked a lot with regards to the acceptance and understanding that it was done in love definitely and, and it's great that you're mentioning that because i think for women particularly that is normally very difficult yeah. and also how i've seen with in regard to the guilt how even in the mind the thoughts would all would accept like you would say that it was given in love i have to accept it in love but the heart seems to follow much later Man, in accepting absolutely. that i've got to work with my guilt <laughs> so yeah that now stems to yeah. when i say to you there's still portions that needs to be done they have right. no and the heart is saying but really yes really do yeah. you really want to go there <laughs> the mind's saying it is like that so it's certainly uh, again marrying these two together now marry and and i don't i don't think we ever get to marry the two together really and i think i would i would say to my uh, patients that i work with i would say to them it would be so unfair for me to say um stop the guilt or you know really work in in working it away or so. Yes. As a mother, it will be there, even though we'll, you know, try and convince you and so on. So, so one almost wants to say, accept that there will be some guilt. Yes. Accept yes. that this is how you will feel because it almost comes with a package of being a mother. Yes. And then work then graciously with yourself mm -hmm. in terms of accepting the love and giving the love back in a different way mm -hmm. and, and working with it as best you can. The the one thing that I've been getting repeatedly is to be kind to yourself. To be kind to yourself, yes. yes. So <laughs> and gracious to yourself. Be kind to yourself. <laughs> and and the other thing, um, again, going back to being in the now, is to listen when people speak to you. But that that does change automatically when mm -hmm. this whole process starts. Again, it's looking at the other perspective. I told you, for example, that I was guilty about my son being at home. Yes. And then the pastor having to say to me twice, mm -hmm. he might not be potting it with a voice, but he's getting other lessons. Of course. And as a mother, these are lessons that you want to impart on your children. You don't know how to import, impart them, and you hope and pray that you do do the right thing during the course of their lives.
um, see the positive side or the potential plan. We don't know the plan, yeah. but see the possibilities that's out there that can show you that there is an option of something different other than your guilt. Absolutely. There is something shiny rather than the darkness. Yeah. Okay. And and what what an opportunity of growth, um, you know, that one is then confronted with because it, the growth in you, when you bring yourself to see that there is the light, mm. whilst the dark is even present, Absolutely. it is it really isn't all that easy. But I think I really want to thank you very much. I think this has been such a beautiful conversation. I just it just feels like it was. A conversation of such value so thank you so so much for sharing your story and and I want to wish you all the best and I'm sure from all our listeners <laughs> we want to wish you all the best and also to your children so to take care to be good and kind with yourself and gracious with <laughs> yourself and to take care for the way forward so thank you and good evening thank you and so I've been speaking with Yolanda Dusterhoff, and he, she is an extraordinary person who is a cancer survivor who shared her story with us, and we are deeply grateful for that. For now, we're going to be going into a very short break, and when we come back, we will be in the program called VOC SOS Helpline with Shahida Kali. We